Heavenly Father, <clears throat> thank you for being God. <laughs> thank you for putting your love on display this morning through the promises we celebrate in baptism. Thank you for putting your goodness on display this morning through the singing of your praise, through the, the glory of your majesty. Thank you this morning for the truth in your word that we have yet to dive into. Lord, may it ring forever in our hearts. May it influence our minds. May it renew our minds that we might see you more clearly, that we might love like you more fervently, and that we may forever be changed. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. This morning, we continue on your journey through the series called Honest to God. This is a journey through many of the Psalms. And this morning, we're going to stop at Psalm 5. This is a psalm of lament. A psalm of lament. And it's a psalm that is very much about prayer itself. And what we're going to do this morning, it's, this, is, this is an uncommon um, <clears throat> practice for me when I, when I preach. I love the narrative. I like to sit in the actual story and, I, and then take that journey as these people, these men, these women in the Bible took originally. Uh, but this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to go on a journey through this psalm, this psalm which is alive and well, and we are going to be picking up little puzzle pieces as we go so that hopefully by the end we're able to make a picture, a big picture of what God is communicating with us this morning. So there may, be, there may be times where you feel like, oh, well, we were just talking about this and now we're already on to something different. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because we're moving through this psalm, picking up pieces as we go. And since I mentioned this is about prayer, I think it's really important for us to start out on kind of the, uh, the same ground. We've got to level the playing field here a little bit because we all have different experiences and we all have different, um, we may even have some different theologies when it comes to prayer. We have different practices, different disciplines. And so what I want to do this morning is I'm going to share a story with you, and, and hopefully we can come together and say, yeah, 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 that's our baseline for prayer. And then we're going to get honest to God through the, through the fifth psalm uh, together. Here's the story. This was uh, years ago, <laughs> a few years ago. My kids were little. Yeah, sorry, I just got <laughs> stuck there for a minute. It's crazy how, how fast kids grow, isn't it? I mean, I stay the same age, but the kids. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> My kids are little, and it's, it's a day, not unlike today, uh, a, a spring day in Michigan, and, and the night rolls in, and, and what rolls in with it? A thunderstorm. And this isn't just one of those, like, basic thunderstorms. Like, this is a banger. Like, this is a big one. This is one of those where it's not cracking over Coopersville, and you hear it from here. No, no, no. No, no. This is, like, Borculo, Zealand. It's just going to hover there and bang on your, on your roof for a while. It's one of those where, uh, even though I'm a deep sleeper, I, uh, I have the soundtrack of my dream being thunderclaps. And while the thunder doesn't wake me up, it's the middle of the night, the storm rages on, and I hear one word that pops me out of bed. 
Daddy. And it's a, a word that's filled with anxiety and fear from one of my children. Now, my bedroom's on the main floor, and this child's bedroom is upstairs. And so before I can even think my feet have hit the carpet, I am, I am bounding up the stairs, indifferent to anything or anyone I may come across on this journey. Next thing you know, I'm standing next to this child in their bed. I'm holding this child who's terrified, anxious, filled with fear. Thunders loud, startled them awake. And in this moment, as I'm holding this child, all I'm concerned about is, is how do I carry this anxiety and fear? How do, I, how do I take that anxiety and fear from this child? I want to carry it, and I want it to be replaced with the calm and the peace and the sleep that we know our God has for us. How do I, how do I carry this, this, this fear, this anxiety? And as I hold this child, it happens, right? Somehow, those fears are cast upon me. The child drifts off to sleep, and I meander back down to bed. This is a true story. As I slipped into bed that night, middle of the night, everyone else asleep, thunder still rolling. I laid my head on the pillow, and it was the first time in my life that I audibly heard a whisper when everyone else was asleep. A voice said to me when I laid my head on that pillow, that's how I feel about you. That's how I feel about you. See, this is our baseline this morning for our conversation on prayer. Because your God loves you so much. Your God craves for you to call out. That's how God feels about you. And while that is how we're going to step into prayer this morning, I think since the series is called Honest to God, then we better be honest that um, while God <laughs> invites us into prayer and wants us to pray at the same time, prayer can be overwhelmingly difficult at times, can it not? Am I the only one that thinks prayer can be difficult? I'm going to take your, 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 your silence of shame as you agree with me. Don't be ashamed. Honest to God, he already knows. Prayer can be difficult. And maybe that's because you get busy and then you forget prayer and so prayer is difficult because it's like a task that you got to get to. Or it can be that I just don't know how to pray. I know that there's a whole passage about, you know, Jesus teaches us to pray, but I don't really know how to pray. Like, I, how, how do you pray? And if I don't know how to pray, I, that, prayer is difficult. Or, or maybe our life consists of prayer already. And we consider the prayers that are offered on Sunday morning and the prayers that are offered occasionally before meals and the prayers that come at night and, and the prayers that we lift up in the moments of crisis, we consider that enough in our prayer life. So why would I do more? I mean, praying is difficult. Praying can be difficult, so we look at this psalm of lament to find one thing. Here's the big focus. This is the big picture focus. We look at this psalm of lament knowing that prayer is difficult, that we might be confident 
knowing that God hears us and that God answers us, every single one of us, every single one of our prayers. Now, don't tune out on me. What I just said was not overwhelmingly complicated. That was not what you'd call the left hook of the sermon, right? Like, ooh, I never thought about that before. Ooh, great insight. No, no, no. This is basic, but it's something that, if we're honest, we have confidence in, but we don't have confidence in. We know that God hears us, but do you practically know that God hears you? Are you confident? Honest to God. Remember? Psalm is a piece of scripture that can be broken down into five literary stanzas. We're not going to get overly complicated with that today, but what I will share with you is in these five stanzas, uh, David's focus shifts. Stanza one focuses on God. Stanza two focuses on the wicked or the wickedness he experiences. Stanza three, back on God. Stanza four, back on wickedness. Stanza five, we culminate with focus on God. See, not too complicated. What we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at stanzas one, three, and five, and I'll summarize two and four as we walk through this living psalm. Let's get right into this. Psalm 5, starting with verse 1. <laughs> Listen to my words, Lord. Consider my lament. Hear my cry for help, my King and my God, for to you I pray. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay down my requests before you, and I wait expectantly. We know that praying can be hard, but have you ever felt like God didn't hear you? Search yourself for a minute. Have you ever felt like God didn't hear you? Maybe A, because you're like, well, I don't know if there is a God, so how could God hear me? Maybe B, you're like, well, God's so busy listening to other people's prayers. Well, I mean, I'm just thanking him for this chalupa from Taco Bell. Like, why is he? Maybe, maybe you feel like God uh, doesn't hear you because he's busy doing other things. Maybe you feel like God doesn't hear you because you're not saying things right. Have you ever felt, for whatever reason, like God didn't hear you? Like it's more like instead of talking to the creator, you're talking to the open wind. Maybe it's open wind, open air, you know, same thing. Maybe it feels more like you're on the other end of a dropped call. Hello, God, hi, amen. Have you ever felt like God wasn't listening for whatever reason? If the answer is yes, this psalm was written for you. The psalm was written for you because this is exactly where David opens. Lord, listen, hear my cries, hear my lament, my sadness, my irritation, my complaint, my frustration. Lord, hear these things. Hear me, Lord. I need your help. My God, my King. There's a lot going on down here. I don't know how to process it all. I don't know how to work through everything. So I'm hoping you're listening. I'm bringing it all to you, and I'm not waiting for dialogue. I'm bringing it to your throne, God. I'm going to set it down and back away, and you just get back to me when you can. I will eagerly await your reply. I don't know if you hear me right now. I put everything down. Get back to me when you can. God, do you hear me? I'm bringing you all I have in the morning. Please listen. I hope you're listening. This is where David starts. Now, David may not feel heard in this moment, but he's not just going through the motions. Am I right? Have you all gone through the motions of prayer before? Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray to the Lord. What did I just say? By the time you get to amen, you're like, what did I actually just pray for? It's how prayers at my house, I'm just going through the motions, right? How prayers at my house before meals for a period of time became, God doesn't eat, let us eat. Right? Because it's like, let's just get through this. This is just, we just got to get the prayer over with. Have you ever gone through the motions of prayer? 
If we're honest with ourselves, we might as well be, we're being honest to God, that's easier than we care to admit, isn't it? It's far easier than we care to admit. How quickly our prayers lifted to the being who created all of this and more become repeated or recited words. And I believe that when this happens, this is the quickest way a prayer life dies. Becomes stale, stagnant, and then it ceases to exist. Because prayer then becomes just another thing to do. This is why the scriptures are so overwhelmingly clear about the vanity and the worthlessness of honoring God with your lips and not with your heart or your actions. It's deadly to our prayer life. But that's not what, what David's doing, okay? This is just a puzzle piece. That's not what David's doing. We said it, he's not doing that. He's doing something different here. He's not going through the motions. This is different. This is a prayer filled with raw and unfiltered emotion, filled with honesty about trouble and grief and pain and confusion and even some doubt. It's more than words. Listen to my words, Lord, David says. Consider my lament. The Hebrew word there for lament, it also means murmur. It means whisper. It means groaning. Listen to my words, Lord. Consider my groaning. Now, this is a prayer. <laughs> don't just hear my words. Hear my groanings. The things that I don't even know how to whisper to you, God. Are you aware there are actually two manners of prayer? One is the one with our lips and our tongue. We know that kind. The second is the groaning of our soul. The groaning of our soul where the Holy Spirit on our behalf communicates these groanings, leads, prompts these groanings, communicates these groanings, takes these groanings and offers them up as an authentic prayer, an intimate prayer. The groanings of who you are. Listen to my word, O Lord. Consider my groanings. It's that type of prayer that Paul was talking about when he said... Pray continually. Never cease to pray. He wasn't talking about words. Like, can you imagine all day long, every day, praying with your words? There'd be no relationships. How would you ever scold your kids? Never say I love you to anyone else because you're praying continually. He's not talking about words. He's talking about the groanings of your heart. In fact, Charles Spurgeon said it this way. And this is so beautiful. I love this. He says, words are not the essence, but the garments of prayer. See, so the groaning is where it's at. Lord, I listen to you. I lift my words to you in the morning. Hear my groanings in the morning. In the morning. I want to admit something to you. It's not something I'm proud of. I've already confessed it at two other services, so... I'll confess it to you as well. I have a terrible spiritual habit. And it comes and goes on this road of sanctification that I journey. And it's that I make God my last resort when I'm in need. When I need hope, God is the last place I look. And no, that's not a, a, a silly pun because I always find hope in God. So, of course, it's the last place you look. No, that's not, that's not it. It's not like when my daughter's like, hey, I can't find whatever. And I'm like, I know where it is. She's like, well, where? So it's where you haven't looked yet. You know, it's not that dad joke. This is that I look for 
hope in myself first. I look for how I can fix the situation. I look for how my family can fix the situation. I look for how my friends can situation. What resources do I have that can fix the situation? Who do I know that has resources that can fix this situation? Who do I have to call? Who do I have to say thank you to? Who do I have to connect? And then when it's like, oh, when nothing else works, when, when all my resources have failed, when medicine has failed, when all these different things have failed, then I go, okay, now I'll pick up the phone and call my God. Because that's my last line of defense for hope. This is a terrible spiritual discipline and a terrible spiritual habit that I have. And I'm, I'm guessing, I hope you can't relate, but I'm guessing you can relate. See, too often we look to God for hope after we've exhausted every other option. It's not really faith, is it? We look to ourselves, we look to others, we look to the world, and then we look to ourselves, then we look to our God. I look to the hills, where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord, creator of heaven and earth, but my prayer life communicates something totally different than that. Hmm. Too often we put hope in ourselves, which is troublesome. And so this morning, Lord, I thank you for Psalm 5 and for David saying something so simple as in the morning I do this because it reminds us to find our hope in God first. To give all of our frustrations, our laments, our struggles, our groanings, all the stuff, give it to God first before we go anywhere else. And I mentioned how there's a stanza switch. Now we're going to switch stanzas here from one to two. Second stanza, focus goes from God onto wickedness or wicked people. In fact, David starts talking about the wicked people and the wickedness he's experiencing in this world, the wickedness that surrounds him and his faith. Specifically, in this psalm, David lays down how there are those in his life who are filled with deceit, with lies, with arrogance, and they are bloodthirsty. Now, it'd be very easy for us to understand this wickedness, these wicked people, as maybe the Philistines. These are people who want to take over the nation of Israel. These are people who want to cause David harm because he is a believer and they are not. And that's quite possible. But did you know, we have no idea when Psalm 5 was written. We have no idea when Psalm 5 was written. In fact, there aren't even that many educated guesses when it comes to this psalm. And I think that is a blessing here because it opens our eyes to what wickedness may or may not be. Sure, it could be the Philistines knocking on David's door trying to kill him. Of course, I mean, wickedness of the people who don't follow God. But wickedness could then also be King Saul, who uses the might of God's army to hunt David, to kill David. This wickedness could actually be David's third son, Absalom, who leads a revolt against his father. This, this wickedness could be David himself. This could be a response the deceit, the lies, the arrogance that he finds within himself after the, just the sinful decisions he made with Bathsheba and Uriah. See, we don't know contextually what the wickedness is that he writes about, which opens our eyes to the fact that wickedness that God hates can be found by people who disagree with us, can be found by our friends and family, and can be found within us too. Wickedness that God hates. The <clears throat> thing is, wickedness, no matter where we find it, it always impacts our lives negatively. Whether it's external, from strangers, loved ones, or even within ourselves. But like I said, 
The psalm lives. It moves. We start with God. We focus on the wicked for a minute. Why? So we can go back to God. Check this out. Verse 7. Third stanza. But I, by your great love, can come into your house in reverence. I bow down toward your holy temple. Lead me, Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. Because of your great love, God, I can approach you. And let let me also remind you of something. God is love. So it's not just like, oh, because of God's love. No, no, because God is, we can approach God. It's not that I'm righteous. It's not that I do good things. It's because God is that I can approach him. It is God's love that continually welcomes us into God's presence. Not only into God's presence, it says into his house. Because God is, we are welcome into God's house. That's how important your words, your groanings are to the creator, even if you are the source of wickedness, which we all are. I mean, it's our nature. Welcome into God's house. Do you know there are many names for God in the scriptures? And you probably know many of them. And there's one that's, that's really important this morning that I think really encompasses Psalm 5. No, it's not Elohim. No, it's not El Shaddai. No, it's not Yahweh. It's one that you probably haven't heard that often. The name is El Shema. El Shema. You know what El Shema means? It's the God who hears. El Shema is the God who hears. See, our God is El Shema who waits and listens to your prayer on bated breath. It's not just that God hears you, it's that God longs to hear from you. Specifically, the groanings of your heart, the lament of your life, the wickedness in your lived experiences, whether you started it or someone else, because God desires you as you are. God wants to be your love. God wants to be your forgiveness. God wants to be your grace. God wants to be your hope. In fact, God wants to be your life. God desires you more than you know. And David recognized this, recognizes this in the next stanza where he goes back to the wickedness and he pleads with God, God, end this wickedness. I know you want to be these things for me. End this wickedness that I experience in my life. I want your justice to reign, he says, in my current situation. Lord, may you reign on the wickedness of my lived experiences. And before you know it, like I said, this psalm is alive. We We shift back for the fifth stanza where the focus lands on God for the last time. Verse 11. But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may rejoice in you. Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. See, lifting the wickedness in ourselves and the wickedness that surrounds us up to God in prayer is where we actually find refuge. When we bring our lament of our experience to El Shema, we in turn get refuge and joy and favor. Why? Because God hears us. God hears and he desires for you to cast your cares upon him. So he makes prayer a place of refuge. I mentioned at the beginning of this message that the focal point of today's psalm 
is that we can know that our prayers touch the heart of our God, that we can know that God is able to meet any and every need, and we can be confident that our God is El Shammah. (laughs) And maybe you're thinking, but Nate, there was that one time when I prayed and God didn't answer. (laughs) I haven't prayed since. How can you tell me that God hears and answers when I prayed and he didn't answer? And yes, there is the perspective, and it's true, that well, God doesn't always answer the way that you want to. I mean, when we graciously offer up solutions to our own problem, and then when God doesn't listen to us, we get upset. I get it. But check out this perspective for a minute. Let's say you're a student. You need a B on this exam in order to pass the class. If you don't pass the class, it feels like the world's going to end. So one night before the exam, you pray. You say, Lord, I'm not even going to study tonight. I have so much faith and trust in you. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to spend the night praying to you instead of studying so that tomorrow on that multiple choice exam, I will have the discernment through your glory to answer enough to get a B. That is a terrible prayer. Because this person's words are crying out, Lord, I need answers to a test. But the groanings of this student are something totally different. Sure, the Lord did not answer the words of the prayer and this student failed. But the groanings of this child very well may have communicated, God, I find my value in academic success and I don't know who I am unless I succeed here. So let me get a B. Because if I fail, I don't see value in myself at all. I don't, know, I don't know who I am unless I get through this exam and I pass this class. And what does God do in response? He answers that prayer by saying, I'm going to let you fail. You know why? Because I'm going to show you that you have value just for who you are because I made you. And I want to hear from you. And this child maybe grows and lives and is frustrated with God for a while, but then finds their value in the fact that they are made in the image of God. God hears you. And will always answer you in its own way. But when our prayers become recited words, then they're just habitual and they lose intimacy. And when we offer up suggestions to God or prayers are last-ditch effort, then it's really just a blueprint of our own self-idolatry. And why would I even pray if I don't believe God's going to answer me? Well, you wouldn't. That's why I'm here telling you this morning, honest to God, I don't think we have prayer figured out very well, and I need to start by telling you that our God, your God, my God, is El Shammah. Your God hears you and craves not only your words, but your groanings, your lament, because we have El Shammah. So let me close with this. Let's step back from Psalm 5 real quick and let's look at all the pieces we put together. And let's do so by, by uh, taking a peek at the end of the Gospel of John. And I'm paraphrasing here, but let's take a look. End of the Gospel of John, Jesus has died. He's been laid in a tomb. Stone has rolled away. Mary Magdalene shows up to look, to lay her eyes upon, to bring incense and care for the body. and I know I'm missing things here. That's why I said it's a paraphrase. Mary Magdalene enters the garden, sees the stone rolled away, sees Jesus missing. And she turns around and she sees what she believes is a gardener. Have you ever wondered why, God, why, why Mary sees a gardener and not Jesus? 
even though she's face-to-face having a conversation with the living Lord. Now, there are lots of possibilities, but have you considered that maybe Mary doesn't see Jesus because she's looking for a dead Jesus and she's standing in the face of a living Jesus? That she's looking for a dead body of Jesus and she's standing face-to-face with the living Lord. She didn't anticipate that. She's looking for a dead body. Her faith is in this dead Jesus who she doesn't understand why he's dead when the living Lord is standing in front of her. Too often, I fear this is like our prayer life. We have this faith that loves our Lord, that sees our Lord on a cross, that sees our Lord being pulled from the cross and put in a tomb. And sadly, that has become our understanding of our prayer life. Like we're praying to a dead Jesus, but we know that dead things don't respond. So in our perspective, our prayers are little more than an echo around an empty tomb. Y'all, we are face to face with a living God, El Shema, who is not the gardener, but the one who is craving your groanings. Our prayer life needs to not focus on a dead Jesus, but a living Lord who is with you every day. Even if the responses to your prayers come in ways that you don't anticipate. You think Mary anticipated the gardener going, Mary. Who are you? She didn't anticipate it. But Jesus lived and said, look at me. So this morning, it's not, it's not easy. It's super simple. It's not easy, though, to grasp the fact that our God, your God, my God is El Shema. The God who hears and listens. The question is, are you talking? Are you groaning? Are you praying? I think we should do just that. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, um, thank you for all that you are. Thank you for showing us and telling us about yourself in your very nature. Open up our eyes, our hearts, our minds, our souls this morning to see just a little more of you, to understand ourselves a little more through who you are. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. In Revelation, God is on his throne and the angelic chorus is, is just screaming around him, shouting his praise. How majestic is his name. Glory, glory, glory. Holy, holy, holy. Like just screaming God's praise. And it says that the prayers of God's people rise to him in the heavens like incense. And he breathes the prayers in. You know what the beautiful part is? That in this picture, God actually turns to the praise being shout at him and says, shush. I want to hear the prayers of my people. And so the blessing to us all this morning is not only that our God is El Shema, but it's that you, as the ones created in the image of God, are worthy of being heard. Lift your voices and your groanings to the God who hears you. For you're worth it. Amen.